sweetness about that song, and uh, really a sweetness as listening to uh, the words today, and uh, and pray that you um, really pray those as prayers and also an expression of faith this morning. Uh, my name is Chris. I get to serve as a lead pastor here, and really thankful that you're here today. Uh, thankful also for those of you watching online. Uh, we're just thrilled that we get to be together and continue on in our Elephant series. We are going to be looking at John chapter 10, so I invite you to turn to John chapter 10 here this morning, and uh, we'll be looking, starting at verse 7. John chapter 10, verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So here we see in this passage, we see a shepherd who is willingly defending the sheep, a shepherd who is looking at the sheep who follow after him and know his voice, that know the shepherd. The shepherd is a sacrificial uh, leader, a sacrificial one, and that is Jesus that we see here in this passage. And this passage talks about life and life to the full. And this is not just life eternal. We may think that Jesus is all about just getting to heaven and that everything's great and good and heaven will be wonderful. But Jesus had so much to say about life here and now, that life here and now matters, that there is a difference to be had. And that scripture speaks to that very clearly of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to walk through this life. That's why we're looking at this a series called Elephants, seven weeks where we're talking about what could be some difficult topics, talking about what does Scripture have to say? And really, that has been the goal, is that number one goal. What does Scripture have to say? Because just like today, I care far less what you think of uh, my opinion of what I have to say. What I would rather have you do is to walk out of here wrestling with Scripture. And every week I ask you to do that. It's because some things will just land well, and it's like, yes, that's good. Other weeks, it's like, that was rough. That was a hard comment. And I ask you, why was it hard? Why was it challenging? What struck you as not right about that? And that you wrestle with that, that you go back to Scripture, you prayerfully do that, instead of just jumping into echo chambers that we're so comfortable in, where everyone says the same things and we keep cycling the same thoughts and same opinions, um, no matter how you come at an issue, that you would really say, God, what is it that you want to do in me? And so we walk through this series because we want to have the mind of Christ. This is something that Paul talked about a lot, that he wanted us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I mean, that's a huge ask there, right? 
every thought being captive and making it obedient to Christ. And so we examine all of the things that we walk in with each and every week, all the things that we process throughout the week. What is it that needs to be captive and just turned over to Christ? So week one, we had an introduction. We talked about here's the foundation. This is what we're going to be working from, how we want to engage the conversation with compassion and conviction and continuation, that we want it to be something that will carry on, that we want to engage Scripture, that we also um, want to uh, really, like I said, process the why when something responds and to have that conversation. So week one was the introduction. Week two, we talked about money. We talked about generosity. And then week three, last week, we really skimmed the surface of a huge topic of racism, prejudice, favoritism, and what it means to be reconciled to God and then to be reconciled to others. And you are welcome to go back and to listen to all of these. Last week, I invited uh, you to a conversation on Tuesday at the Union, and there ended up being about six of us that gathered together, and we had an outstanding conversation. So I'm really thankful for those that, that joined, and we'll probably end up doing it a week from Tuesday again, uh, as we'll talk about what we're going to talk about today and next week's uh, topics together. So we're going to move into our third elephant, and uh, the first week, we started with some deep breaths, Right? What I ask you to do is just take a moment to inhale, and then exhale. Yep, so we'll just do this again. Ready? Inhale. Exhale. It's just, again, good to breathe because for some, it was just, you know, a celebration that you made it here to church, right? Getting yourself out the door, your family, or whatever it may be, it's just, it can be a rush, and we had this being one more thing, and so just that breath of, all right, God, Fill me. Speak in this time. And that's really my prayer today. So Jesus said he's come to give life and life to the full. And then a few chapters later in the gospel, according to John in chapter 15, Jesus emphasizes this again by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the The life. That Jesus is life. Not only did he come to give life now and give life eternal, but Jesus is life. So we want to be in Christ. Paul used this language that we want to be in Christ, the centering in life, that everything we do and everything we are flows out of this identity in Christ. And so in chapter 10, he talks about being that shepherd, that protector, that that one that knows his sheep. But he also says there's someone else. There is an opposing reality to this good shepherd being Jesus. And this contrast is this thief whose goal, mission, and objective, according to John chapter 10, is to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. So you have this contrast to the shepherd who gives life and then the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this imagery of a thief who uses deception and trickery, the image of a robber who uses violence and destruction. And in Paul too, he talks about this thief as being one who masquerades as an angel of light. It looks good. It feels good. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that God is not an author of confusion, but of peace. And so when we walk in seasons of confusion, it's like, this is not of God. God is a God of peace. So we have the shepherd who gives life, who protects, who knows the voice, who is one who brings peace and life, and the enemy who is here to steal, kill, and destroy, to confuse, to deceive. And the outcome of Jesus is life in every possible form. The goal of the thief is death in every possible form. And life is a gift from God. And there is value in life 
each and every life from the moment of conception until the moment of that final breath when God calls one home. At FBC, we have a confession of faith that talks about a number of different things. And one of the paragraphs that you find says this, we believe that all human life is sacred and created by God in his image. Human life is of inestimable worth in all its dimensions, including preborn babies, the aged, the physically or mentally challenged, and every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. We are therefore called to defend, protect, and value all human life. So there's key elements that are in this statement, that all life is sacred and created by God in his image, that there's inestimable worth, there's preborn babies, the age physically, mentally challenged, every other stage from conception to natural death. So there's things that we're called to do, defend, protect, and value all human life. This is something that has been in the DNA of the church for its existence. And what Jesus came to do was to build life, to give life. And often what we feel around us or we experience runs in contrast. Our culture that we live within has been called a culture of death. And we feel that heaviness. We feel it around us. We, we look at the news. We hear stories. We watch our social media feeds. We just interact with one another. There's just this heaviness, and we feel the death around us. In this culture, humans are often viewed as disposable. We live in what some have called a throwaway culture. And this starts with like, our appliances, right? For many times, that appliance will die, and we're like, well, I really should fix this. And it takes some effort, but it's just easier to go out and buy a new appliance. And let's just throw this one away. Or whatever it may be in a relationship. That we can have relationships for seasons of life where we see a person, maybe we won't say this, as a means to an end. We need to get something. We need to get somewhere in a job or in a position or in a social circle. And so this person is going to be around me now. But someday they're not going to be around me because I've made it to this next step. There's this disposable reality that we operate in. And again, again, maybe we're not verbalizing it, but this happens all around us. We see violence in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. We see violence and disregard of human life in the media around us, or in any ways that we disregard or dispose of life, whether that be through intentional action or inaction, considering things, of, things like abortion, poverty, Broken systems, injustice, guns, sex trafficking, euthanasia, the death penalty, substance abuse, apathy, just generally for other human beings. And there's so many different elements when we talk about the value of life, from conception to natural death. And as followers of Jesus, just as we've done in this whole series, is we need to ask the question, my opinions, my views, how I walk through life, is it informed by my theology, the way that God is revealed through the word of God, and that's how I view life? Or do I take what I experience in life and then I try to make that fit into scripture? And I'll tell you, if you work with the latter one, you're really struggling and you will struggle. When we try to fit the life that we just have and we live in the culture we live in and we fit it into here, it just doesn't fit. So the importance of looking at scripture, life through the lens of scripture. So it's already been mentioned here today. When it comes to the value of life, the first thing we need to really hone in on and be aware of is that human beings are made by and in the image of God. 
Human beings are made by and in the image of God. The Genesis story, the creation story. Chapter one of Genesis, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we see this likeness, or this image of God put into humanity, into males and females, both embodying elements of who God is. And it's been said that humans are set apart from all the other created items or things because of personality, morality, and spirituality. So personality, humans have feelings and knowledge and will. Morality, humans can make moral judgments, conscience, make decisions, we weigh them out. And also spirituality, that we as humans are made for communion and communication with God. This is what sets humans apart in the created order. Personality, morality, and spirituality. And one of the instructions that God gives is to be fruitful and multiply. So God says, yep, I created, now you go. You multiply. And the image of God grows beyond his original creation. And humans are to be part of this process, this really replicating the image of God. And we see that God not only cares for his original creation in the garden where he provided everything in the garden that was needed, but he continues to care for each and every one of us, every human being that's ever lived, for the pre-born as he forms in the womb. Both Jeremiah and Isaiah, prophets in the Old Testament, spoke to this. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then in Isaiah, Isaiah said, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Both Jeremiah and Isaiah realized that before they were born, that the Lord knew them, that had a purpose, had a plan, had a calling on their life, and they were walking in it. Other passages we can look at is Job 33, The Spirit of God has made me. Psalm 119, Your hands made me and formed me. Psalm 100, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. Job 10, clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together. Isaiah 44, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. And then Psalm 139, a verse that is so often used and pointed to is, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God, you knit me together. You knew me. Before anyone else said, you knew me, God. You knit me together. And so human beings are made by and in the image of God. And if we hold that to be true, then the next thing is true, that every life is valuable. Every single life is valuable. Again, the preborn, all the way to natural death. That neighbor or friend or family member that drives you crazy, their life is valuable as well. Right? Every life is valuable. 
that person that looks totally different than you, that acts totally different, that has totally different beliefs, they are valuable because they are made in the image of God. And this is a conviction because of God's created nature, because of the fact that he sent his son to die for everyone, for the entire world. And the psalmist wrote this, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? And this is a question that great theologians and philosophers and, and common folk like myself, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Like, God, why, why do you care about me? Like, why are you paying attention to me? Verse 5 says, You have made them a little lower than angels and crowned them with glory and honor. The psalmist comes to this point that every human being is valuable, that God has made them and crowned them with both glory and honor. I mean, that's something to just own this morning, that you are crowned with glory and honor because God made you and he knows you. It's value in you. And God in his eternal wisdom sees all human beings this way. As I mentioned earlier, there's countless ways that we devalue or dehumanize or destroy human life. There's systems and policies, there's attitudes, there's actions, all rooted in sin. And in recent months, it has been impossible to go anywhere, to turn on a TV, to look in yards, to read the newspaper, to whatever it is, without hearing about abortion. This last summer, with Roe v. Wade being overturned, with Proposal 3 here in Michigan, with, like I said, the mailings or yard signs, people telling stories of, of why they stand on either side of abortion. And when we talk about this, and when we talk about life as a whole, of every life mattering, that every element of life mattering, this, this really, this whole, the phrase is a whole life pro-life ethic. Every life matters, indeed. And a challenge that comes when it's with abortion is that abortion is not the only issue of our day. And I agree with that. There are many, many other issues when it comes to life, and they're all important. But at the same time, in the 1800s, slavery was not the only issue. The same thing in the early to mid-1900s, that the Holocaust was not the only issue. I mean, consider for a moment the Holocaust. Six million lives taken during the Holocaust. I, I can't even fathom six million lives. I mean, that's two-thirds the population of New York City. It's the entire state of Wisconsin. It's the entire state of Maryland. Like, I still cannot fathom six million lives, let alone 62 million lives over the last five decades due to abortion. 62 million lives. And this number of 600,000 is the most recent uh, number uh, from 2019 uh, of a year of abortions in our country. Uh, like how, do we, how do we visualize that? And this is so short of, of what it could be, but you can throw a picture up uh, of this uh, stadium. So uh, over 100,000 people in Michigan Stadium. It's the largest stadium, football stadium in our country. That's a, a picture of about 100,000 people. And then you think of 62 million people. 
you would have to fill that stadium and empty it 600 times. And that's what this looks like. It looks like that, and then it looks like the next slide, and it looks like the next slide. So that's 600 Michigan stadiums. I mean, still, like in my mind, I just, I can't fathom the amount of people. And why is it important to talk about this? Proverbs 24 says this. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he weigh the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they've done? Say, we didn't know anything about this. But the author of Proverbs says, you, you, gotta, you gotta stop those who are moving toward death, who are staggering towards death. Rescue them, is what he says. Recently, Lee Cummings, pastor of Radiant Church in Richland, I know a number of you have seen this clip. He said these words at a service recently. He said, 150 years ago, many Christians did not speak up on the issue of slavery. Many in the church argued three main things. These are the things that they argued. Blacks were not human. I would never own a slave, but I don't want to get into other people's business. That's their private freedom. And the third thing is it would be an economic disaster for both the slaves and the slave owners and therefore an economic hardship because of the different classes. Pastor Cummings, he continued by saying, these are the very same three arguments in our day that are, not, that are being used, even in the church, to advocate for abortion. One, babies are not human. Two, I would never have an abortion, but it should be safe, legal, and rare. And three, it would be a cause of economic disparity. He went on to say how we still deal with the negative fruit of slavery in our day today. We're still dealing with that. And so what is the, what is the future impact to? The author of Proverbs, he also said, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. And Johnny Erickson Tata, who was paralyzed at age 17 from the shoulders down, she said, if you truly believe in the value of life, you care about all the weakest and most vulnerable members of society. So I want to pause here. Let's just call a timeout here for a moment. All right, everyone, take a deep breath again. All right, here we go. That was for me, if it wasn't for you, all right? I want you to hear this next part really, really clearly. Just mentioned to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Just mentioned the, the value of life. Just mentioned being created in the image of God. Do you hear this clearly? This is for the preborn, but this is also for you who are pregnant, who have been pregnant, who have aborted babies, your loved ones, your family members, your neighbors. This is for you too. You need to hear that no matter your past, no matter how hard you have worked to cover it, forget it, that you're ashamed of it, that you just don't talk about it, whatever it is, that you as well are made in the image of God. That you as well are valuable. That you as well matter to God. And again, hear me as clear as you possibly can. There is no shame or guilt being put on you from God nor me today. 
That is not the intent. Because the reality is, from 2015 to 2019, there's a study released that 12% of those who identified themselves in a traditional evangelical um, identity, ages 32 to 49, who have ever been pregnant, admitted to having at least one abortion. 12%. That's one out of 10 of you in this room. One out of 10 of you. So this isn't some distant issue. This is here right now. And that's why I want to say it as clearly as possible that God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. God knows and he is for you. Just like he's for that pre-born baby, he is for you. That there is hope and there is forgiveness. There is hope and there is forgiveness. See, this is the exact same good news, the exact same hope, the exact same forgiveness for all of us in the room who have ever stolen anything. For all of us who have ever done anything sinful. For those of us who have ever consumed pornography. For any of us who are worshiping something other than God. For any of us who are gossips. For any of us who are adulterers. For any of us who have done anything against what the Word of God says. This is the exact same good news and hope and forgiveness. There is complete and total forgiveness for you and for me in the name of Jesus Christ no matter what that is. See, what the enemy does comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to take choices that have been made in the past or choices being considered right now and say, I want to kill, steal, and destroy. I want to, I want to pull you away from the grace of Jesus because God is not out to get you. He's not out to get me. And I want you to hear this, that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. You are beloved. There is redemption and salvation and total forgiveness from all sin, past, present, and future, for those who repent and believe. And I want you to know this too. I want you to know this, is that I stand with you. Whatever your past is, whatever your current reality is, is I stand with you. And there's others in this church that stand with you as well. I want you to know that you are not alone, that your life is important. One of my greatest struggles around this conversation of abortion is that people have just been like, just get the kid born, woo, we win. It's terrible because you have not considered the mom, you have not considered the circumstances. Yes, it is important for the child to be born, but there are so many other realities around that conversation and situation that cannot be ignored if you claim to follow Jesus Christ. It is not a political win. It is not a checkbox. We can't be blind to this. And this is why. In Isaiah, Isaiah said, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Don't just listen and be like, yeah, that sounds good. Do what it says. Five verses later, James says, here it is. This is what you're to do. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You can be polluted by the world very easily, no matter what your views are. 
Look after orphans. Look after widows. Look after those in distress. Look after those in need. Jesus was intentional about meeting the needs of others. Think of the man with leprosy. No one would touch him. Jesus went up and touched him and healed him. There was a young daughter who had died in a heartbroken family. Jesus restored her life. Jesus took time to say, let the little children come to me, and he blessed them in a culture that rejected children. They were just things. Jesus said, let them come to me. And Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He looked at the criminal hanging next to him who sought forgiveness, and he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. See, this is not one narrow dimension, but this is all life. This is all followers, and we need a renewal of commitment to life because there's value in all life. And history has proven that policies and leaders will come and go. There will be many other policies and many other leaders, proposals and policies that will come and go. There will be proposals like Prop 3 that will pass or fail, and whatever the outcome is, it will impact lives. And you need to read Proposal 3 just like you need to read Proposal 2 and Proposal 1. And you need to lay it against Scripture. What does Scripture have to say? Not what Chris says. What does Scripture have to say? And there will be leaders that will come and go. And yes, there'll be life change. There'll be difference. But you need to say, God, what is it that you want me to do if God encourages you to be involved? Even more so, most importantly, your impact will come most when you follow the example of Jesus. When you share real-world love, expressions of love in the spaces you create, in the words that you say, in the actions that you do, and you share that transforming power of Jesus. You will have more impact on your neighbor or friend or person at school or whatever it is by having a real-world expression than just some political view or something out here. It's important, but most important to love your neighbor as yourself. So for those of us who've claimed to follow Jesus, it's a time for action, not just belief. It's a time to come alongside and stand with those who are pregnant, especially single moms. To meet physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, whatever needs are there. During pregnancy and after pregnancy as well. We must connect with organizations like Alternatives, who our church has partnered with and supported for the last 10 to 15 years, that care for our moms making decisions. With organizations like Bethany Christian Services or others who support women making these decisions. We must, as followers of Jesus, support foster families and adoptive families. Babysit their kids. Bring them food. If they have a need, give it to them, whatever it is. Foster care and adoption is hard. Maybe God is telling you, hey, you need to look into foster care or you need to look into adoption. And maybe that's something you've been pushing aside and like, no, this is something that I can step into. You say, God, all right, I'm going to take that first step. Maybe this is an active step for you. One of the reasons that Joanna and I ended up adopting was to put action to belief. And this is not putting us on a pedestal by any means. That's not it at all. Is that we wanted to do something. We wanted to impact at least one life. We wanted to have action. That's why we adopted Evan. And not only were we concerned about Evan, but we made sure that his birth mom had a place where she was cared for, that she had her needs met, 
And that's why we chose the organization we did, is we knew that she would be taken care of during the pregnancy and after. Maybe God is calling you to that. We're so thankful, so often, give thanks to God for the choice that Evan's birth mom made. It breaks my heart to sit here and to think about what could have been that I never would have met Evan. That he would have never been in my life. But she gave us the chance for him to grow, for us to love him. And maybe there's that one out there for you as well. As followers of Christ, called to love and to minister to people making decisions. As followers of Christ, we're called to love and to minister to people who have made decisions, no matter what those decisions are. And if you are here or you have a loved one who's making that decision, let us, let us be part of that. Allow us to connect you with people, to care. To, how, can, how can we help you? What do you need? I know I'm not the only one that will step up and help. There's plenty of other people here and watching online that will help. We don't have to publicize, but we will make sure to get what you need. It's time for humble, tangible, Christ-like expressions of real-world love, not just beliefs. In Isaiah 58, I want to read a few verses from here, but I want to frame this in as we wrap up. God is calling out his people in Isaiah 58. He's saying, you sound righteous. You're trying to look righteous. You're trying to do what you think is the right thing, but it's shallow. It's a shadow of the reality. It's, it's false. It's passive instead of really living this out. And what God says through Isaiah is essentially, let me tell you what it means to walk with me, what it means to put words into action. Isaiah 58, starting in verse 6. Is this not the kind of fasting that I've chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the finger pointing and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on the behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. The Lord, through Isaiah, saying, break those chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke, share food, provide to the poor, clothe the naked, do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Do not turn away. Because like that, I'm going to respond. It's going to be like a well-watered garden. So my prayer for our church in this time, in this world, is that we don't only, only talk about the value of life. 
the sanctity of life, but that we're a people that show it through tangible actions. That our words become action. That whatever way it is that God moves you toward someone else, that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that we would intentionally give ourselves to the good of another human being whose life is valuable. And every life is valuable. Breaking the lie and the destructiveness of death around us. May we be people who walk the light of Jesus, bringing life everywhere we go. I want to close with a prayer that I prayed years ago on a Sanctity of Life Sunday. And that this would be a prayer that may be true for you as well. But I want to pray it over us and pray it over our time. So would you join me for prayer? Heavenly Father, you are creator of all life, the giver of all life. You've created humankind in your image to reflect your glory to the world. And we praise you for the work that your hands have done. Today we mourn the many precious sons and daughters who have lost their lives too soon. We grieve their absence today and every day. Lord, we're broken people. Each and every one of us have sinned against you in so many ways. And we pray that today, the days to come, would be a day of repentance and forgiveness. Lord, thank you that you willingly forgive. We humbly come before you knowing that all of us have fallen short of your glory. We ask that you would forgive our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Restore us to right relationship with you. Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, and our hands as we seek to serve you and glorify you through our love for one another. Transform us into new creations. May we truly be your hands and feet in our world, serving others like Jesus came to serve, loving others like we are to love ourselves. And Jesus, you made a way for us when there seemed to be no way. We pray today that you would breathe new life into us, that you would increase our empathy, our compassion, and our love for our neighbors, no matter who they are. We pray we would be people with hearts that echo your own heart for other people. Help us to be champions of life, Jesus. Strengthen us. Equip us to do your work in our communities, our nation, and our world. And may we stand for what you have taught us. And may we give you glory in all that we do. We love you. We praise you. And in this day and every day, Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. Help us to protect and preserve it in every way we can. And Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your holy and mighty name we pray this. Amen. I want to encourage you, uh, like I said so many times, is to wrestle with that why. What do you resonate with? What was like, yes! And then what are you resisting right now? Just going like, Ur. Why? For both of them. And then wrestle through scripture. How does it align or not align with the heart of God? 
just a moment, I want to invite, uh, I believe, John Larson, and I'm not sure if there's someone else. John, you want to wave at us? John's going to come up here and pray. He's part of our prayer team. Uh, and if there's anyone else on the prayer team, I'm not sure the other one. Stella is. Excellent. Stella's here. Thank you. Stella will be right here as well. Um, so whether you feel like you have a huge burden that you want prayer for, or you feel like it's a really small thing, they'd love to pray with you. They'd be honored to pray with you. So please come see them. Uh, there should be also a Stephen ministry or minister at the cafe. If you're looking for care, again, whatever it may be, a Stephen minister may be right for you. And you can go back and talk to whoever's back there and uh, just find out about how they walk along in life with you, really continuing to point you to Jesus uh, as you walk through whatever situation that may be. And then as always, on your way out, um, there's giving boxes in the back. If you want to give, you can also give online. And make sure to say hello to someone uh, as you're heading out. And so it's so good to have you here. I uh, pray that you continue to wrestle with this. Uh, and, uh, and just uh, God bless you this week, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you.